Here's John chapter 15 we'll go to. Uh, the topic is no longer of this world. John chapter 15. We'll start there. Verse 13 of John 15. His greater love, this is Jesus Christ teaching his followers. In verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. We are not of the world, is what, what, what he said there. Um, we are not the world's own. I mean, we are surrounded by those who are the world's own, but we are not the world's own. I remember, we're just reading here in the Gospel, this is prior to when Jesus Christ had accomplished everything that he was going to do, but he was already telling them about uh, some of that, but it's interesting. We're still in the world, aren't we? We're still here. But here he was talking about we are not of the world. What, what exactly is he getting at? Look at, uh, we'll keep reading here. Uh, see, the world needs no reason. Let me just paraphrase it. The world needs no reason to hate you. You, you might ask the question, well, why, why, do pe why is Christianity, you know, they don't want people preaching Christ? Well, they don't have to have a reason. We'll see this. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If, it had, if I had not come and spoken unto, unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now they have both seen, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. There's no, there's no reason. They don't have to have a reason. There's no. It's just a hatred, and we know where it comes from. But they don't have to have a reason to hate you. So there's no logical reason why people hate you or hate people who preach Christ. Uh, let's go back to Psalm quickly to see where that's quoted from. Psalm 35. This is actually one of the places it's quoted from. It's a few places. Um, but we'll just look at Psalm 35 briefly. Sometimes you get a better understanding um, of these quotes by looking at where it was first said. Psalm 35, 
verse 18. This is David. He says, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. Neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without a cause. Um, would you say that David was of the world? Think about that one right for a minute. What does it say? I remember that section in Hebrews where it talks about all those wonderful believers, right, that are a great cloud of witnesses. And it says that of whom the world was not worthy. Right? The world was not worthy. What was it that David took David out of the world? It was looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. All those who seek him, all those who look to him, take themselves out of the world in some respect. Because the world certainly isn't looking for him. So that's interesting. Uh, back to John. Let's jump back to John chapter 15. Or should I get my finger there too? Okay, 15. Let's keep. Sorry, uh, John chapter 8. We just we finished that section 15. John 8. Jump back to John 8, please. So he said that he, that he had taken them out of the world. Let's, let's keep reading it. 8.21 Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and you shall seek me. This is one of his times he had a, quite a confrontation with some of the folks here in John 8. And right in the middle of that he says, You shall seek me and, you, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he said, Whether I go, you cannot come. And he said unto them, You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Jesus Christ, Jesus was not of this world. And when he spoke the truth to those who followed him, he took them, took them out of the world because he was not of the world. In John 17, the same truth repeated in a pr wonderful prayer that he does near the end of his ministry in Jerusalem. I can add that detail now because I was looking at all the places he was. John 4, 7, 17, 14. I have given them thy word, and, thy, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So he repeats this truth multiple times. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So we're not of the world, but we're still here. So what, what, what implication does this have for What exactly does this mean? John 16. Jumping around in John a little bit here. John 16. Verse 33. Um, these things... I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Same thing, thing along the lines of hating, being hated without a cause and all that. Uh, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we are associated with him. We can, we can associated with him who has overcome the world. So when he says he's taken us out of the world, 
the wonderful truth is that he has overcome the world on our behalf uh, in John chapter 10. Trying to understand a little bit about what this means to us while we're here. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I, uh, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. See, he's taken us out of the world. Now, verse 29, my father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. See, we are securely held. Even though we're here, even though we're here, again, this is before Jesus Christ had done all that he was going to do. We'll read a little bit about that in the New Testament, sorry, in the epistles as well. But where this was all going, no one could take them. He took them out of the world. No one was going to take them away from him. No one was going to take them away from, from God as well. Um, because we're still in the world. In First John chapter 2. Now once Jesus Christ had accomplished all that God had asked him, our state of our in our seating was even more pronounced than when Jesus Christ was teaching when he was here. Uh, I know a year ago or so we looked at uh, Galatians where it said that, you know, that the, Paul wrote, and we'll read it at the end, uh, that the world was dead to him and he was dead to the world. It's the same truth out of the world, but he was still here when he wrote that. But it wasn't, he was out, the world was dead to him and he was dead to the world. He was taken out of the world. First John chapter 2, verse 15, love not the world. Why? Because we're not of it. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. It's, 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 a, it's, it's not our nature. The things in the world are not to be our nature. We are not to love the things of the world or have a great desire for the things of the world. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 because we have been taken out of it. It's, it's akin to um, Israel wanting to go back to the promised land. Even though, sorry, wanting to go back to, not the promised land, back to Egypt when they were in the promised land. Even though God had worked so hard to take them out of it. Why would we ever want to go back? Ephesians 2, 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past, so there is a time past, you walked according to the course of this world. There was a time when we were of this world. That was, that was, that's where we were. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenlies, in the heavenlies, in Christ Jesus. But we're still here, aren't we? But see, 
our, our seating, our standing is in the heavenlies with Christ. He took us out of the world, and when, when everything was accomplished, guess what? We were able to be seated with Him, taken completely out, even a greater, more pronounced state than even when Jesus Christ was speaking. Even, when, of course, when David was here. But yet, they still were not of the world. It didn't you know it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't their seating but for us now with what Jesus Christ has called it's even greater seated in the heavenlies in Christ Colossians chapter 1 we're still looking to see what it all means in terms of the fact that we're still here well, we will Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 giving thanks unto the father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated or transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Transferred. We've been taken out of one and put somewhere else. So we're no longer of the place from which we were taken. In Colossians chapter 3, and Verse 1, if your sins ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And I started to see a little bit of what it, what it means to us. And because we're no longer of the world, but taken out, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, and I started to see a little bit, but set your affection on things above, not on things above on the earth because we're still here we could set our affection on things on the earth so the 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 uh, encouragement is to set our affection on things above not on things on the earth for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God when Christ who is our life shall appear then shall you also appear with him in glory, and there's more teaching on this uh, on the website as well. You know, there's this teaching. There's few teachings on Colossians three one to four. You can look at in more detail. But you see that we've been taken out of the world. So the encouragement is to set our affection on things as to where we are seated, not where we physically are present. Um, Philippians chapter three. Again, this is a very Noteworthy theme in the church epistles, as I'm sure you know. Um, Philippians chapter 3, or a common theme. Verse 20, for our conversation, the word is citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. That's why we're no longer of the world. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. You know, our citizenship has been changed. And just as is the case of citizenship in life, you don't always know all the things your citizenship means. So what, what impact should all these truths, you know, some of them are, you know, see that God's, you know, see that the right hand with the Lord taken out of the world, you know, citizenship in heaven, so what is the impact to us here while we're still here in Romans chapter 12? Um, 
see, we looked at that those those verses there about how they hated him without a cause. You know, the world knows that we are not of this world. Um, it's an enmity the things that we try to do. Unfortunately, sometimes we don't always know it, or we don't always act like we are not of this world. Um, even though the world certainly knows that we don't belong here. Um, in Romans chapter 12, is was really, really, you know, good good and needful encouragement to us when we consider our seething and what, 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 what we've, been, we've been given in Christ. Um, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable or or logical logical service so here you know we're told that um, it's supposed to be a living sacrifice now we've under I think we fully understand that the word living we're alive you know it's not like the sacrifices in the Old Testament where you know they would kill something and well that thing they killed wasn't really going to do much more at that point but here God's encouragement is a living sacrifice. And I think we understand the term living better than we understand the term sacrifice. Um, to sacrifice means that you give up something. You know, when, when God says that we're not supposed to love the world or the things of the world and all, all, all the things that are going on, you have to recognize that if we're going to do what is our reasonable service to Him, our reasonable or logical service to Him for all that has been accomplished on our behalf, we have to sacrifice something. It doesn't just happen. You know, if I've, if it's, it's a reasonable, it's, it's a living sacrifice. The life, living part we get, the sacrifice stuff might be a little bit difficult sometimes. You know, sacrifice what? Well, you may not be able to do all the things with your time, with our time, that everybody else does with their time. You know, we, we may not be able to get involved with all the things the world gets involved with because we're not of it. And, and we have to sacrifice something. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's, maybe it's whatever, whatever it is. I don't, I don't know what it is for each one of us, but it could be a lot of things. But it's a living Sacrifice, which means that we have to give something of ourselves if we're going to do this rightly, if it's going to be the logical answer. And God says here, it's the logical thing to do, right? Um, and he goes on um, here, verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. And here the word world is the word age, you know, and, and the, uh, the affairs of this age and the fashion uh, the working translation says, be not fashioned by this age, which is an interesting uh, thought. Because what's going to happen invariably in this world is that whether you want it to or not, there is constant pressure on you to conform or to be fashioned by this age. Um, and we know that. So uh, even Jesus Christ told them when he was, when he was teaching in you know, Matthew 6, he said, you know, after all these things, do the nations, the Gentiles, they're all, everybody's into doing these things. Because you're not supposed to be like that. You're not of this world. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Remember that? He taught, told them that. We're not, we're not like everybody else. 
the Gentiles look for all these things, but he said he didn't want them to be doing that. That was not where they were at. And for us here now, it's not to be conformed or fashioned by this age. See, the, the fashions, patterns, passions of the world should not be ours. And there certainly are a lot of them. You know, so when it comes to thinking about living a sacrifice, maybe, maybe we can't or maybe we shouldn't get involved in some of those things or all of them. Uh, Timothy tells us that no man that serves entangles himself with the affairs of life. Well, there are a lot of entanglements available on a daily basis. Well, if we're going to be a living sacrifice, then we may not necessarily be able to get involved in those things. And we shouldn't think of it as a, oh man, what a bummer, I can't... It's not a loss. We're not of the world. Those things are not, that's not where our life is. Even though a lot of times we might think that's where our life is, that is not, according to Scripture, that is not our life. Even, even though it may be very you know, colorful and shiny and all these things, that is not our life. That's what sacrifice means. You, don't, you, you, you do without those things. Um, the goals and the ambitions of the world shouldn't be ours and everybody you know we know what the goals and the ambitions of the world are the worldly recognition acclaim notoriety these aren't concepts that we should embrace or even desire in any respect you know when Jesus Christ taught them about ser- service he said to them you know they were saying which one of us is going to be the greatest he said just hang on guys you want to be the greatest you got to be the greatest servant and as we know, even even a little bit about servants, when you go to a house, let's say, and you've all seen Downton Abbey, right? Or, or not, maybe. But you got the rich living upstairs. And when they have dignitaries coming to visit them, they don't say, well, look at our wonderful servants. Aren't they great? No. The servants are in the background. They don't get the notoriety. They don't always get the acclaim. They don't always get the pat in the back for what they've done. That's really, really, really what sacrifice means. Living sacrifice means, you know. Like I'm pretty sure you've all realized that you don't, you know, you go along the street and say, "Hey, hi there. I know you're a Christian. Thank you. Good job for the things you're doing." You don't get that, you know. So here, those aren't things that we seek after or chase. Jesus Christ said, "You want to serve? You want to be great? Well, you be the great best servant." That means living sacrifice you do without things that sometimes much of the world is into getting and claimed for and all these kind of things um so renewing of our mind well literally what what is that even what is that it's a very it's not a, it's not a difficult concept what does it mean we know what we are we've had some very brief verses about where we're seated we just think differently that's what all renewing the mind is you change what you used to think right we just think differently okay we're, we're different from everybody else and most people think that's odd, but it doesn't matter, right? We just think differently. Those things don't, don't hold sway for us. I'm not excited about the things people in the world are excited about, and we oughtn't to be, right? Remember those guys that had been with Jesus Christ? They said they took knowledge of them that they'd been with Jesus because they were thinking and speaking differently. Things have changed. Things have changed for us. We're not the same. We're not of the world. We've been taken out of the world by the work of Jesus Christ. And so we ought to understand that. That's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is saying. You understand that now. You're a living sacrifice. 
Don't get caught up in the things of the age and be fashioned by the age. You do what you're supposed to be doing here. Whether you get the acclaim, notoriety, all that stuff or not, it doesn't matter. Right? That's what sacrifice means. I will close in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians, we'll read that verse I mentioned before, but we'll just read it. It's a great one. Galatians chapter 6, verse uh, 14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it represents all the accomplishments of what Jesus Christ had done. By whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. And so he literally saying the world is crucified unto him and he unto the world. The world does not care about him. He's dead to the world and the world is dead to him. He doesn't care about the world. So, you know, um, the world was not worthy of all the wonderful believers who saw the coming of the promised seed. Those people didn't fit in the world. They were hated without a cause. As we continue to look to him today, you know, and, 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 and all that it's, the Word of God says about him in the ages to come, we, we, we should realize with greater and greater clarity that we are no longer of this world. Its patterns and passions are to have no attraction because our citizenship is in heaven from whence we are looking for his glorious return. So we are no longer of this world. Okay, that's all for this.